This is Los Angeles, gang capital of the nation. It just goes on and on, you know. Either they don't know, don't show, don't care about what's going on in the hood. South Central LA. Yo, Benita, let's do the local thing. It's tough to beat the streets. What am I supposed to do? Fool roll up, try to smoke me? You shoot the motherfucker. You have to think, young brother, about your future. Man, why are you sweating me? You're my only son, and I'm not gonna lose you to no bull. Hey, don't worry about it. I can take care of myself. Trey wanted to work his way up. Trey is a grown man now. He is not a little boy anymore. Heard you like Mr. GQ smooth now. Maybe some of what you got to rub off on him. Ricky was looking for a better life. I want to do something with my life, all right? I want to be somebody. When you were a little boy, you used to run around here all the time with that football in your hand. I always knew you would amount to something. Doughboy was living by the laws of the street. You looking at nigga? We got a problem here? We got a problem, nigga? Can we have one night where there ain't no fight, nobody gets shot? It's hard to be a saint in South Central LA. I don't understand why you insist on learning things the hard way, Trey, but you gonna learn. How to survive the South Central Rip number one. Get yourself a gun and then South Central B. That's how you survive. Rule number two. Trust nobody, especially a girl with a hooker's butt. <laughs> Rule number three, don't take your life for granted. This is the craziest place on the planet. Something wrong? Something wrong, yeah. It's just too bad you don't know what it is. Yo, 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 uh, what's shaking? Uh, I'm Rob Lee, and uh, we're back. This is uh, Let's Watch It Again, and I have the super, super talented Isaiah Winters on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Yo, thanks for having me back, man. I'm excited, you know. <laughs> we, we, did the fly, we, we did the fly together. We, you know, we've, we've chatted a few times, and, like, every time I'm just like, what, what is going to happen in this conversation? Because when you rewatch these films, you really, when you're rewatching it, knowing you're going to be discussing it, you're picking up on things that you would yes. never have noticed um previously so yeah i'm excited to dig into this one and you know watching it with with a critical eye and i think um it's uh, it's no like coincidence that of the non-podcast affiliated people that i've had on um you i've had uh, uh sean champion on i've had mm-hmm. um aaron brown on all with a background on photography so it's going to be a different standpoint it's like yo i'm looking for this right. i'm looking at this right here so Boys in the Hood, I'm going to run the synopsis real quick. Trey, played by Cuba Gooden Jr., we will talk about him, we will talk about him, <laughs> is sent to live with his father, Furious Styles, uh, Larry Fishburne, we will talk about him, we will talk about him, in tough South Central L.A. Um, although his hard-nosed father instills proper values and respect in him, his devout girlfriend, Brandy, with an I, uh, Nia Long, teaches him about <laughs> faith. Does that happen? Uh, Trey's friends, Doughboy, Ice Cube, um, and Ricky Morris Chestnut, don't have the same kind of support and are drawn into the neighborhood's booming drug and gang culture with increasingly tragic results. Boys in the hood. Wow. So 
here's the, here's some other details on it real quick. Uh, so we started off with this movie was released in on July in July because it has kind of two dates. It was like a national release and then a LA release, which is still within the oh. contiguous United States. Okay, but it was July of 1991, so 30th anniversary. Uh, director John Singleton, uh, R.I.P. Screenplay legend, John Singleton, legend. And I, I don't want to talk about the kids because I don't like kid actors. And <laughs> I, sue me, sue me. I don't give a shit. Uh, Cuba Gun Junior Star says uh, Jason Trey Styles. Okay, I didn't pick up what his name was. Jason. Jason? Did yeah. she say? Maybe they said that in the beginning. Did she, no, I, I I'd never heard that. <laughs> It's one of those things See, like I failed already. I got to go rewatch it, right? It's like you retconned this. This <laughs> name was not because because um, Furious has the same thing. That's not his name. Right. It's something else. And I was like, how do you get that reputation? How do you get that name? What reputation That's did the, you earn? One of the, I know we're going to get into this and I don't want to detract. But when they walk into his office, the first thing I notice is his placard says Furious Styles. I'm like, damn, you got you a good business where you people just know that's your name. Well, you know what? I, I think they never I don't think they really mentioned his name being Jason, but because he's the third Trey, he has to be named after his father. Oh. I do remember it being Jason on his name tag or some shit at one point. Whoa. OK. I missed um, that. A- Angela Bassett, um, early Angela Bassett uh, playing Reva Devereaux. I didn't know her name was Devereaux. I did not either. Uh, so Lawrence Fishburne, he's still going by Larry at, Larry at the time, is Jason Furrier Styles Jr. Larry, Ice Cube man. is uh, Darren Doughboy Baker. He has a great name. Doughboy. And last name is Baker. It works. Doughboy Baker. And all the fa- all the jokes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Morris Chestnut um, played Ricky Baker, who I think, and this, is, this will test your football knowledge, I think it's a reference to Ricky Waters a little bit. Because he kind of has that oh, aesthetic. Oh, I could see that. I could. I mean, there's so many things in this film that are so direct, like such yeah. direct pulls that that would not surprise me at all. So Nia Long, um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to mention the kid for for this one. Uh, Nia Long is playing Brandy, and the younger version of her um, is Nicole Brown, who her mother so eloquently said, "Get your hot ass in this house." Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tyra Farrell is um, Brenda Baker, so that's their mom. Okay. Who I definitely got that 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 black mom archetype off of her quickly because oh I, yeah, At the that wasn't my household. Yeah, they look they you know they chilled it out a bit as she got older, I guess, which made sense. But I was getting strong like Tyler Perry stereotype vibes off yeah. of that off of that intro there. Um, Reg uh, Green plays a uh, little Chris. Um, Whitman Mayo is some old man john singleton makes a cameo in it as the uh the mailman and he looks directly oh, at the right camera at the, okay okay he has the sat scores after yes. um that was Shocker. so that's <laughs> i did not know that was him but that was so awkward that stuck out to me i was like yeah. does was he gonna do something like does he know them the way he walked up on her i was just like where are you who are you and why are you in the scene like that it's like look you know better yes yeah. No, literally, message he literally was delivering the scores right then. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. This might be one of those instances because the Wayans brothers did such a good job with Don't Be a Menace to South Central Roger Key Juice in the Hood. I don't know when the proper time is to discuss that, but I can't. It was that is such top tier parody (laughs) that I every scene that I rewatched in this film, I was thinking (laughs) of the scene and Don't Be a Menace. And I'm thinking in my head, like, how dare you? 
you're supposed to be an artist. You're supposed to be all these things. I can't, it's just done so well. You can't <laughs> shake it. I mean, there is so many things because like this movie, and I'll, and I'll get back into the, to some of these details before we get into like some yeah. of the trivia on it. But um, I saw, this is one of the movies I've probably seen a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And definitely when the lampooning and the parody started coming out with, with the weigh-ins and, you know, ultimately I didn't like how things went down. They kind of lost that parodying yeah. thing. Um, but it was just, just the, the thing of, the from 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 uh, don't be a menace where they come into the convenience store and the bell's like nigga and i'm like oh yeah it's too freaking funny it It just speaks to an experience that not many people outside of the community will ever know or understand and all of the it's just un these are unspoken things these are un you know things that are not touched on and that was the thing that they just i mean obviously that comes from a long lineage of of you know filmmakers in that era or just entertainers in general in that era because you kind of had to do something explosive or different to even have a chance it's like it's just crazy what they were able to get away with like oh yeah so the boys in the hood kick-started the acting careers of uh kuba jr morse chestnut and the along um they were um so the starts yeah oh wow this kind of kicks them like in looking at it, like I believe Nia Long was 21 in this movie. Uh, Chestnut was probably like 23, same as Cuba. Yeah. Um, they were pretty much un- unknown before then and also launched Ice Cube's uh, career as a Hollywood actor. Mm-hmm. He was already established. And I think his is in terms of his music, right. you know, outside of NWA, but it's a solo career. Mm-hmm. I think this was before his second solo album. So this movie was like, okay, current. That, uh, uh, I like this. I like this Ice Cube. I like this this, this version of Cube. Yeah, Cube was good. Yeah. Um, and this was uh, Angela Bassett and Regina King, who we forget is everybody in, in there. When I saw her, I said, "Look at the Queen, and look where she is now." Like that was one of those moments when I was like, "Oh my!" Everybody in this movie. I mean, we'll talk about we'll yes. talk about some people in a little bit, but. <sighs> So many people went on to just continue making such influential movies. And, and I remember Morris Chestnut. What did I see him in? The 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 best man? Yeah. Was yeah. that it? And that soundtrack. And then you got Terrence. Like it just connects me to so much black cinema and, and black history from like the 90s to 2000s. So it's crazy to see, you know, and Singleton himself. This was just like the perfect collaboration of everyone involved, you know. Morris Dana's date, uh, Morris uh, Chestnut's debut film. Yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, it's 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 wild. So you have that. Uh, let's let's go over here to look at the numbers a little bit because this thing gets kind of missed. So mm. the movie cost six point five million dollars to make. Now, because wow. it's it's shot it's shot in L.A. Yeah, you know, or at least the suburbs of it. So. That in itself is a thing. Am and I, don't I know crazy? That... Can we talk about this really quickly before we go into the numbers? Was wasn't Singleton like twenty one? Let's see. Yes, he was around their age. That's Singleton insane. was. He was twenty three. He was twenty. That's insane. Yeah. So he's literally he's working with people who are his age. Like you know, Cuba's. It's about the same age. Uh, Ice Cube. All of them born in the late like 68, 69. You usually don't see that outside of like music video directors, like short projects. The fact that he made, and I couldn't stop thinking about that the whole time. Like twenty three, I yes. think I was in Fell's Point. You know, getting hung over and stuff. Like it's crazy <laughs> to me that he wrote and directed this, but also 
some of the right we'll get into it but i'm uh, some of it you can you can see that as well so and this is his debut film yes um so writer director credit did not produce so his follow-up was can you name the movie 1993 movie oh my gosh has another rapper in it it's not new jack city no 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 i don't know what is it Rapper and singer. That's the only other hint. And it has to do with the role he was in. Wait, 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 wait. It's not Juice, is it? No, 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 no. This was Poetic Justice. Poetic. Okay. I, that's, I, that was what was in my head. I don't know why I said Juice, but I was thinking Tupac. Okay, so Tupac and Janet Jackson. So I'm going to run through the rest of his movie because I want to see where, where Boys in the Hood ranks kind of in it. Because he has uh, nine um, director credits to his name. Okay. So following that, 95 says every two years or so, Higher Learning is next. Had all the credits for that, writer, director, producer. And then Rosewood, that right. he just only director on that. And then we get to 2000. It switches up a little bit in the 2000s. I mean, everything switched up. Do, do you know what the 2000 movie was? No, you got to tell me. Shaft. No, wrote- I do. I literally wrote like a 20-page <laughs> paper on Shaft. <laughs> it's hard to talk about Shaft because we just got the new one. We'll say we'll save that conversation. But yes, John Singleton, Shaft 2000, Samuel Jackson. Let's bring it on, and all the things that that came with that film. And then my, my one of my brother's personal favorites, uh, 2001. We had Baby Boy. <laughs> Baby Boy, what quickly? Because I know you, what are your <laughs> Baby Boy makes me feel a certain way. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I think for him, and I think the way he he depicts things and, and who he's speaking to, even if you didn't experience it, it resonates with you. And yeah. I was like, I've never been in that scenario where my mom's got a boyfriend and he's like kind yeah. of a wild dude. It just makes me so uncomfortable. And I know that's the power of the film. Yeah. Like, that's just, yeah, it, it never sat with me as a film that I can just like sit down and enjoy. It just stresses me out. Um, and then from there, uh, some interesting choices. So in 2003, Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, we know it. We love it. And I feel like, you know, that it just shows you how how different that franchise is. And it's like, yo, John Singleton directed a I two they have fast when and I furious. I looking at the the directors because I've been re and we're gonna I know we've talked about this before, but I'm trying to set up a thing where I get a few people to watch the whole saga through with me. <laughs> I got the Blu-ray collection, I got the digital, I got it all. But it's crazy to to see the directors like the that that film franchise is nuts. But to know that he directed that second one, it makes so much sense. And, I and mean, come that, on, that one and probably, in my opinion, at least, uh, the first three are very all different movies to me. Yeah, and then from there, every movie is just the same movie. Because isn't that but, where we get Tyrese? Yes, and exactly. we're in Miami. Yeah. We get Ludacris as well. We get Ludacris. We get Tyrese. We get chicken and beer. Yeah, we get it. We got a lot in that era. Right <laughs> we lose Vin Diesel. <laughs> we lost. We lost Diesel. We got him back later, but um, yeah. And we we got the uh, Miami lighting, I'm sh- and I'm sure you appreciate that. <laughs> I just, it's it's such everything's so vibrant and crazy in those films. It's out of control. <laughs> and then from there, 2005, we had Four Brothers, another one of my brother's favorite movies. Yeah. And last. Lastly, we have Abduction. Is that like a Liam Neeson movie or something? That's Taylor Lautner. Oh, no, not that one. Not yeah. the one where he's like uh, he's like a kidnapped 
government experiment agent or something yes. in, in Pittsburgh. Yes. Oh, that, that wasn't his last film. Was that was his last film. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I watched it. I gave it a chance. I know we were everyone was on the Taylor Lautner hate train. He was probably trying to do something with that. The action yeah. wasn't bad, but just didn't work for me. So so that's that's that situation right there. And um, I, I think and this will be one of the questions we have a little bit later. Yeah. So I'll have this for your memory banks who kind of really benefited from this, this film, whose career benefited the most from this film. Mm -hmm. So let's see. So back to the numbers. Um, the movie made so with a, with a budget with a budget of six point five million, it made uh, fifty seven point five. Wow! So that's nearly a, ten for, ten times. That's a lot. I was gonna say, what was I gonna say? Moolah. That's a lot of money back then. <laughs> that's a lot of moolah. <laughs> yeah, especially for such a young director. Nuts. So this was a so the movie is set in two different timelines, right? Mm -hmm. You have nineteen eighty four. Now, I was born in 85, so 84 is just like, you might as well say this was a decade before I don't fucking... Right, <laughs> right, it. just can't. And then when it hits 91, I'm like, hold up. The contrivancy of some of these ages, I was like, I have been 17 before because everyone is supposed to be 10 in 1984. Yeah. I was like, I've never had a beard. <laughs> I kept like, I, looking, but yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I, I Am I mixing up my ages? This is like a LA age. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, so... So so hold on. So I think so in that before I forget, because we did go down the um, the Singleton movie. Yeah, for a sorry. Reason. I just couldn't stop thinking about that. Where where do you kind of rank his, his movies? What are your top three like Singleton movies? Well, I'd say I've spent so much time with Shaft 2000. <laughs> we just discussed. <laughs> I can't believe that I was like, wait, what? What film? I spent too much time with Shaft 2000 that I've come to appreciate it in a different way. Um, and it's kind of like you have to look at it in the lens of which it was made. So I'd say this is probably my favorite film by him, Boys in the Hood, which is crazy because this is his debut. And even some, you know, I have some issues with the writing and other things. Then I would say Shaft 2000 is maybe the next one. I'm about and, my peoples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to go too fast, too furious for number three. Really? Yeah. I just think what what happened with that series, like you can't have, we can't have this like fast universe we have now where they're in space without the way that too fast, too furious kind of, it took it Absolutely. to another level. I reference that all the time. Think of people like, why don't they call this two something, two something? That's from that movie. Like, I don't know. That, that, I just think great. culturally, like, yeah. Those are the those are the top three for me. That's great. You know, it would be I'm not going to look this up because I don't want to besmirch. But what if that's like the lowest, <laughs> lowest box I'm office? Sure, one of the I'm sure house. it's like one of the lowest ranked ones. It's probably one of the worst ones. But we got Ludacris. We got Tyrese and Tyrese. <laughs> They're both Ludacris and Tyrese. And this is not a spoiler because I haven't seen the movie. They go to space in the in the newest Fast and Furious movie. So look at what we started with and look at where <laughs> they are now. It's like it was a bit for that one. Someone was like, yeah, so what do we... Oh, this is what we're doing? All right, nah, I these guess. These niggas are going to space. They're going to space. <laughs> they got there. Thank you, John Singleton, for starting us on this journey. <laughs> Thank you, John Singleton. <laughs> um, because I said it, now I have to look at it. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're good. We're good. He, he's fine. All right. Uh, 
He's uh, the worst uh, grossing Fast and Furious franchise movie. Okay. Is Tokyo Drift. It was. Yeah. They almost lost it all with Tokyo Drift. And then the Fast and the Furious, the, the original one, that was the second lowest and the, the bottom two Fast, two Furious, the bottom three. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, let's see. I got taglines for you because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I like to in- integrate in these uh, podcasts, if a movie has a bunch of people getting murked off, I like to add body counts. Please. I, <laughs> but I'm I, mad I, I, didn't, I didn't record that. We, we have a few, but it's not a lot. It's like, obviously, the three gangbangers, right. Ricky, uh, and I guess Doughboy off screen. And the uh, the Stand By Me reference, the beginning, 84. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the body. <laughs> right. right. Um, so that, that, that worked. But here's the taglines, though. Okay. So there's one I think we see at the very end of the movie. Um, it's very 1990s. Increase the peace. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That one... And this is not a, and because I just said this was my favorite movie, so I don't want anybody coming after me. But that one really hurt me a little bit, and I just couldn't think. No, you know, no offense, my, you know, my partner's Caucasian. Um, I was just like, wow, how many like white people watched this movie and saw that tagline at the end and were like, yeah, like why don't they increase the piece? Like it's it's a little bit more complicated. But that was the thing that we did, right? It was like, throw a tagline on everything. Just, you know, throw a tagline and it'll catch. It'll just work. There are other ones that aren't as good. Uh, but, here, but to you, I think the thing you were, you were saying earlier about like, kind of like music video directors and, and, and being young in that kind of way right. of like, I, there is a sensibility like that that makes it work. It, it has the indie film thing. It's like, yo, how did you get six million to yeah. do your first movie? Yeah. You know, so you have those elements there and it's like you're probably getting the best thing or the best performances out of some of your actors, you know, namely like Ice Cube or what have you, because it's just like, oh, this dude is he's just like me. Yeah. Yeah. I it's it's crazy. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't know how you would have so much of a command that you would draw those kind of performances out of people like that, like. Yeah, crazy. Ice Cube, as you mentioned, I, Larry Fishburne, as we'll get into, no, not, he had not transformed into Lawrence at that point. Um, Angela's ba- Angela Bassett's short appearance is really great. And then what is the mom, what, Doughboy's mom, Doughboy and Ricky's mom, what's her name again? Oh, shit. Um, Miss, is it Mrs. Baker? So let's go with Mrs. Baker. Mrs. Baker. Uh, Brenda. Brenda's Brenda. Okay. Brenda I, got a baby. I thought, <laughs> exactly. Towards the end, like, I just thought that she was bringing it, man. Like, and obviously mm-hmm. with the, with the scene. So yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um, see, we have that. Here's the other two taglines. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time in South Central LA, it ain't no fairy tale. Yeah. Did they not? Where was Ice T? Because I feel like I could hear him reciting that. Like, oh shit! Really, just like full on. That's get that gave me like what is it? Leprechaun in the hood vibes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was getting with that one. <laughs> and this is the last. This is the last tagline I have. And these these would be things that appear on the different variants of the posters or what have you. Which yeah, I mean. I much respect to someone who has that framed and in their spot. Oh, I got to look at some of these posters. That's what I didn't look at. So the last one is coming, coming soon to a hood near you. Okay. That one was, that one was mailed in a little bit, I think. Yeah. And I, 
I want to know what producer ordered oh, that shit. one. And I also want to talk to them because that's, <laughs> that's the problem. Like that, I, this, this movie, this film is so powerful and it yeah. speaks to so many different experiences, even if they're on direct, whether you have a cousin or some, or like, you know, of, of this type of environment and just being a black person in this country, you yeah. kind of feel that oppression. You kind of feel that, that sense of hopelessness that kind of exists off frame in this film but like a lot of it i couldn't shake this like thing where it's like oh no this is kind of maybe giving people a look into a world that they have no context for and if they don't understand those layers then they may just think like oh this is this is just what it is and i think that's what the waynes brothers did so well with that parody was like you know it kind of just brought it all center you know center front so it's tough, but that's that marketing. Oh, that's cringe. That's cringe. <laughs> so before we get into some trivia and I have some observation, things of that sort, um, what are your thoughts on some of the actors and some of the writing? Yeah, I've been I've been touching on the writing a little bit here and there. I I think that overall the story is is great and it kind of tells uh, a story that's that's universal and even like with the whole, you know, with the gangs and, and the warring territories and things like that, like it really can take you back to just instances of human conflict and like people clashing with like the land or the history or oppression. It just, it, it tells a story that is like a story of, of mankind, I think in a lot of ways, which is good. So it doesn't go, go too crazy with things, but at the same time, I think that it's pretty, um straightforward with a lot of themes like as much as i love lawrence fishburne good old furious a lot some of the monologues i'm listening i'm like are you just pulling from james baldwin speeches where are you getting like where are you getting this because it's so direct and i like that it, it was like kind of play like in a sense like um but some of it was a little heavy-handed in the whole like i couldn't stop hearing like message message you know every every time he started to give a speech but the acting, as I mentioned, was just top notch. I think Ice Cube killed it. I, you know, honestly, because you see a lot of this movie and memes, I don't really know what Cuba was doing with this one. Um, he was kind of, he was a little off for me. He was the predator. I don't know. The writing with him and um, Brandy with an eye, mm -hmm. he was a little weird to me. Um and yeah, just the way he was performing. But what are, what are your thoughts? Because it was it I'd never noticed these things until now. Everyone else was like in a different film, I think. Yeah, that's that's super legitimate. Um, I think with Cuba, it was it was weird. I was I, I think one of the observations I have, I was like, this is a goofy ass dude. Yeah, it, it, it was like it was that thing where. What is it? I, I think when Furious starts smelling them, like you got some pussy. And I yeah. was like, it was kind of like, <laughs> is this what you are before this happens? This is why you're so goofy and fucking weird. Right. Um, but just some of his his acting, just like, what movie do you think you're in? Like, what are we doing here? And um the the because this is like early in my like podcast history, I we did this episode of Robcast called The Big Bad Movie Show, and this mm -hmm. was like probably like 2011 so this would be the movie was like 20 maybe 20 years old at the time right and i just kept remarking upon like every scene you see ricky he's eating something <laughs> it is so funny to me it's not even like oh, i'm gonna eat some chips or i got like this or that right or even whatever nonsense 
uh, uh, Trey was eating at the end of the movie where he was just like picking out a napkin. Yeah. I was like, I don't, are you just eating sunflower seeds? What are you doing? But you like Ricky's know. drinking a gallon of milk. He's eating a slab of ribs at one point. I was like, what are he you doing? He was doing that. He had a chocolate dial at, when <laughs> yes. he was going through, he was looking through something and I was like, damn, I need to go get me a snack. Like, yeah. Be, before the he and he dropped it, which made me feel really upset because yeah. that was before the, the, the shooting situation. I didn't yeah. like that one bit. When I say break, <laughs> we're gonna break. Um, I, I, I think, I, I think Angela Bassett. That was kind of like, yo, it was kind of informing people she could do more. Yeah. Um, because you, I think like that first when they leave 1984. I'm like, all right, so it's just about the kids. And like, no, 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 Fury's in the, is in like in the whole movie. I know. Yeah. Kinda and I almost forget he's in it. I know. That was one of the things where it, when it flashed forward, I was I was almost shocked. I was like, oh, I forgot that he's here like throughout this, which was it made me feel good. But it was almost. Yeah, I forget his presence is, is uh, always there. So because they got it away to make this point. So Furious is 34. <laughs> yeah, I started doing the math on that when they were talking <laughs> about everything. And it's like, how old was Cuba Gooden Jr. when they made this? You know, so Cuba Gooden Jr. was 23 when they did this movie, and uh, okay, Laurie Fishburne was 30. And that's going back to Don't Be a Menace because yes. I kept thinking, I was like, wait, was he like eight years old when he, <laughs> you know, he's like talking to his peer, they're like in grad school together. And it, it was funny because remember, he does that that weird thing, the hair, the contrived haircut scene, yeah, and he's like, Dad, you're getting old. I was like, Yo, I'm over 35. I'm like, I know he looked exactly. I was like, is he supposed to be a grandpa or something now? Like, I can't. I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to be a grandpa. Yeah, I'm like, I'm the same age as he. Yeah, he is now. I, it's interesting. I I was tight. I got a little tight about that. I was like, you know what? Fuck you, Cuba. <laughs> I think my mind kind of threw that math away when we got to that scene because I was like, you know what? Don't let this hurt you. Don't don't even don't even add this up right now. Why why are you triggering me thirty years later? Like, where's my teenage son to you know have me cut his hair? Terribly, by the way. Because exactly, he, he, he did one part. Your pops, can you fix my fade? It's like I'm not helping you. Right. You're goofy. Get all serious. <laughs> I mean, he's like, yeah, make sure you get no pork on that plate either. I mean, <laughs> he was full hotep to me. And I was like, all right. Yeah, you would. It, he was just missing. Yeah, the, the garbs and the attire. Yeah, because he was like, yeah, why do they never talk to me, though? If they, if they so interested in me. It's like, this is my dad. This is a version of my dad. <laughs> and oh, yeah, I am the phone a, scene. Yep, yep. And I'm a version of Larry Fishburne. So it's just all of these things. It's all kind um, of full circle. So I want I want to get to some trivia if uh, if you're if you're ready to rock. I'm trivia. ready. So I'm going to start off with this: to maintain a sense of realism, writer director John Singleton never warned the the actors or actresses that shots were being fired, so their reactions in those scenes are real. Okay, that actually when the when they're all out like at the you know out chilling and then the the dude shoots into the air like the way people were running and kind of ducking and covering. I mean, maybe that one was a little bit more planned, but like I, that was one of the things that I noticed. I was like, damn, people are really scattering, like breaking. Oh, you talking about Ferris? Yes. Yep. With yeah. the submachine gun, the Uzi. He was just letting, he was letting that thing sing, man. Um, <laughs> but that, that makes sense. It was kind of one of those things where it's interesting too, because that can become desensitizing. Like maybe some people react, maybe they wouldn't. I think that's a cool little weird director thing to do. Oh, yeah. Columbia Pictures, 
Yes. <laughs> Columbia Pictures wanted to make a, make this movie, but wanted someone other than John Singleton to direct. Singleton right. believed only he could do it, replying, hell no, I'm not going to let somebody from Idaho and Encino direct a movie about living in South Central Los Angeles. They can't come in here and then cast it and then go through rewrites and know exactly what the aesthetics are unique to this film. He I think he was absolutely <laughs> right. I'm, that's what throws me off because I'm like, who let this happen? What was going on behind the scenes with Spike Lee? Like, who, where, who was backing him up that he was able to go in and do it this way? Because I feel like directors today, you would still have issues of trying to get this kind of thing done. True. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, wow. So Trey, um, so John Singleton based Trey off of his own childhood. Uh, Singleton's father was a mortgage broker uh, like Furrier Styles. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, when he was 12, Singleton moved uh, with his father to um, South Central. And like Trey, Singleton stayed out of trouble in his, uh, through his father's guidance and went to college. Ice okay. Cube, that Ice Cube awesome. was. Ice Cube was John Singleton's first choice for Doughboy. He approached him at a rap music concert a couple of times, and Cube was reluctant to audition um, via test screening. Conduct uh, was reluctant to audition via test screening conducted by um, Singleton. Singleton later encouraged uh, Cube to write screenplays based on Cube's comp contributions to uh, rap lyrics, and it resulted in Friday. Wow! Just those fingerprints right there. Just all, you know, just all over the place and what that spreads to. And yeah. Huh. Uh, so this is also Regina King's uh, debut, by the way. What was she on screen? Oh, well, no, she had what, two scenes? The party uh, and then when she finishes the 40. Which is great. I know. I love that. She's there when the shooting starts happening, too. She okay. has like, three scenes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ice Cube owned the whip he had at Gold Impala. Hmm. Everything was clean. So, in terms of investment, this was 1991's most financially successful movie, um, making 56.1, well, 56.7, because I guess it maybe made some money that following year because mm -hmm. you know you did a whole re-release. A little bit, yeah. Um, and it only had a budget of 6.5 mil. Uh, so the opening and closing scenes, you already said this before, is a direct reference to Stand by Me, mm -hmm. which came out five years prior. Only five. Yeah, 86. Wow. It was revealed in a 2014 Nerdist podcast that Paul Rubens revealed that John Singleton was security on the set of PB's Playhouse in 1986. Singleton presented the script to Lawrence Fishburne and Rubens to ask for their opinions, and it led to Fishburne being cast. What? What? <laughs> what? Because remember, Lawrence Fishburne what? was a cowboy on there with the wild oh. jury girl. My gosh, that's the talk about the right place at the right time. Are you kidding me? So this is I was like, what is going on here? So he had a Pee Wee Playhouse link connected that from like four. That's why I believe in the long, the long no. game. I'm a strategic planner. John Singleton was strategic. He linked up with Pee Wee and he got Larry. Oh, my gosh. So that's that's what I was missing. So Amazing. Singleton was nominated for Bold. an Oscar for, for Best Director. Um, and he was super young when he was nominated. It was mm -hmm. for this movie, obviously. So he was 24 when he was nominated, which he which made him the youngest. I was gonna director. say that's the youngest. Yeah, he beat Orson Welles by two years. Oh, Orson was probably turning in his uh his grave. Well, yes, because he died in 1985, I believe, 86. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
he was uh, breathing heavily on the uh, voiceover set for Transformers, the movie. <laughs> oh. He was Unicron. Right. Yeah. That was uh, him and Scatman Crothers' last uh, projects. Wow. I, I have a, I'm a fount of weird Film knowledge. History, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> I could just, if I could just spend all day researching this <laughs> stuff, I would, trust me. So Singleton originally wanted uh, the members of NWA as part of Ice Cube's entourage in the movie. Cube's Ooh, departure yeah. over a salary dispute made this not <laughs> a happening. That's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, they probably had to rewrite some stuff. Yeah. After that, a lot. So it, it, it forced um, Singleton to recast the roles of Ice Cube's entourage, including the infamous uh, chain snatching scene yeah. where a character is wearing an Easy E t-shirt and is subsequently yeah. beat up. Yeah. The I mean, Easy E stuff was, I mean, I didn't even, you know, what am I going to, what are, what are we going to say about it? We know what was going on at the time. And it was, it was just so blatant. I'm like, this is violent. Like, this was dangerous to have done this. There, there were some choices made because of the locale. And we'll, we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit. Huh. So um, there's only a seven year age gap between Lois Fishburne and Cuba Gooden Jr. So that's the thing. Right. Um, uh, Reggie uh, Green, who plays um, Chris as an adult, is paraplegic in real life. Uh, oh. His paralysis, like his characters, was the result of gun violence. He was uh, hit by a stray bullet at six years old. And they had the whole discussion about stray bullets. Yeah. Okay, John, and, and, he's bringing me back. Now, I'm, I mean, I like it a lot, but the writing is coming back because it's all so personal. I, I, I'm, I, I might be a little bit of a piece of shit, but I was like, yo... When y'all going to go say Ricky, yo, why can't you like say, yo, Chris, hang on to the car or something? This nigga had to wheel over there from I wherever know, they were. Oh, I know. And I kept thinking about that too at the end. I was like, yeah, y'all just left him. Like, I mean, man. he's booking it yeah. <laughs> to see his man's dead. Like, damn, man. Crazy. Okay. This is, this is where it's going to get wild. Okay. Wait, it's not going to get wilder than the peewee. The peewee. Okay. I'm ready. We have, we have some recasting. We have some uh, different cast options. No, no way. So a lot of people in the film were based on uh, people that John Singleton knew. Okay. Will Smith was considered for the role of Trey, but turned it down due to his commitment to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Just Will Badger. Smith, <laughs> he keeps making these bad choices when it comes to crazy films. Like, this defines a generation in a, in a certain way. He didn't do this. He didn't do The Matrix. Will, what are you doing? He would have had a different career, though. Like, yeah, it was so completely different, and I mean, it would have changed. It would have changed the whole trajectory of his career. So, like, not that I'm like, you know, I can't go back in time, but I feel like we would have a much different Will Smith if he took this role. Yes, um, and yeah. I think we we wouldn't have Fresh Prince Bel Air probably. We probably would not, and that the way that came together was so crazy too. Yeah, Will, I'm glad you stayed in that place, but in another. In another reality, we have somewhere where Will Smith was was Trey. <laughs> Variant roles, Will Smith. Exactly. <laughs> now, here's another weird, because Black don't crack. Tyra Farrell, who plays Doughboy and Ricky's mom, yeah. was only seven years older than Ice Cube and Morris Chestnut. She's gorgeous. She was so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was another one of those things where, again, with the age jump, I was like, wait, she looks younger now because I guess she cleaned up. But I was like, she looks younger now than she did when she was a teenager or whenever she had them. Some interesting choices, but I know, you know, makeup and, and stuff like that was a little different. 
Ricky almost gets his leg run over by Doughboy's car, um, that Chevy Impala, during the scene where Fur shoots the Mac 11 in the air. So that that scene. Oh, you know, so that legit, they were just, okay. Yeah. It felt different. Yeah, that one felt different. I was like, did the movie, I was, it just changes up all of a sudden. And then you go back to like the way it was. So that part where he slips and then comes back because it looks really weird. Yeah. It, that that's where it happened that and singleton was happened. like let's keep it in let's just keep it in it looks authentic it's like he runs towards the gunfire and then away yeah that's a good director and that's that's like a hands-on thing that you would have to be in it it sounds like everything he did he was like right there in it i almost want to call cap on this but because of some of the uh, tensions at the time i'm going to say it's probably happened after the movie premiered nationally there mm. were instances where rival gang members ran into each other in theaters and, and engaged in shootouts Oh, yeah. I want to say cat. Like, yeah, I would like to say no, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was a crazy time. I remember a few. Yeah, I remember a few things myself. It was crazy. Uh, the the studio greenlit this movie with an interest in making uh, a, 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 a their own version of do the right thing. That's the reason this movie got made. Greenlit, at least. Okay. Which brings me to the question, could this movie have been, because it's, it's very much a West Coast movie. And from my standpoint, right. a lot of, there was a lot of fake clones, like South Central comes to mind when I think of this movie. Um, and I'm sure there are other ones that have, of less repute, yeah. but this one comes to mind. Could this have been done as a very like East Coast movie? And I'm not speaking specifically like New York, because I think you got juice. Um, yeah. Maybe, I, I don't know. I think this is his own thing. And if they try to redo it, like, oh, this is now set in Philly. I don't know if it works. No, uh, no, 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 no. This, like, I'm an expert on L.A. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in California. I lived, I lived there for a bit, but I didn't live in L.A. I'm just, I'm just a, a tourist, so I'll say that. But it's, it's a very West Coast film. You need West Coast sensibilities. You need to understand the culture. The environment and like he was saying when the studio tried to take it over like there's so many dynamics that you would have to understand just to get right i think that they'll try anything but i don't think it would be successful and you saw i mean shaft 2000 was a remake obviously but a continuation and we saw when they try to remake it again and like the there are things that just don't translate the, the one with the future as the music curator yeah shaft 2019 that was also in this this paper that was a that was a tough tough couple pages to to get through <laughs> uh let's see let's see um the movie was shot in sequence um singleton noted that the camera work gets better as the movie goes on and he finds his foothold as a director's first project so he's kind of copping to it um oh saying gosh. that he was getting better with his camera work which he wrote into the script uh for uh Fury when furious is cutting trey's hair he's like i'm i'm not getting older i'm getting better so that's a line direct from his experience as being being that is crazy film. that he admitted that you know how many photographers and directors work that way i i work that way i'm horrible to, like <laughs> and i understand that most films are not shot in sequence and things like that and that's one of those things where when you're reviewing footage i'm like damn i really didn't figure out what i was doing until like a third of the way through this project and then you just like i've reshot things completely just like okay now i feel it yeah. so that's funny you know yeah the reference i could i could see that i could see that 
Uh, Trey wears the same thing his father wears in the first scene in which he appears. And later he's wearing, uh, and later in the movie, he is wearing, hold on. And later in the movie, when he and Ricky uh, visit Furious. So I think it's kind of like the same setup or what have you. Like he's kind of wearing the, it's the the Georgetown stuff. Right, right. And I I was just like, is Reba from DC? That was the vibe I was getting. Because I was like, why are you wearing Hoyas? I did it. I, it kept, yeah, he kept wearing that. He wore that during the SATs. Yeah, that day. I was wondering about that, too. But I was like, I just assumed it was it was a reference I had missed. But that was something that was, like, very in your face. It's like, yeah, man, I'm a big John Thompson guy. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> there now, has to be okay, something. Here's a shocker for you. Okay. Eddie Murphy. What? I'm going to pause right there for a second. Was considered for the role of various styles. <laughs> I mean, he's just going to be running bits the whole time. Eddie Smile. Murphy. Yes. No, no way. Eddie Murphy, I love you in so many roles. Who else would it, you would need a Larry Fishburne? Or like a, a Forrest Whitaker. You need someone who's like, who has an imposing presence. I don't know that. You could have won Harry Lennox, maybe. He, yeah. He's a little less known, but you, you could have won in that direction. Eddie Murphy, there's no way it would have been. A, it would have been Don't Be a Menace. That would have been the parody in itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I think Eddie Murphy was just wrapping up with another 48 hours at the time. So just like, yeah, they'd be like, oh, you want to go see the new Eddie Murphy comedy? He plays, you know, he plays like a black dad. And then people walk into the theater to uh, see like a Shakespearean, you know, gang tragedy unfold. Like it, it was so sad. They, they just worked him in as many scenes as possible. He's there <laughs> at the Ricky shootout. What? No, I, oh my God, I can't. Um, so the, the cop, uh, you know, I don't like this dude. I Come know on. you probably what, didn't as what well. What was with that guy, man? So he was based on someone that John Singleton encountered as a kid. Yeah. Um, he felt a critical that the office showed that how racist black people could be towards black people. Mm-hmm. This particular scene where the officer is an accurate portrayal of a self-hating person in the position of power. Um, but, uh, it's a, a public servant. Um, Let's see. And it kind of sets up what you get from Uncle Ruckus and uh, Boondocks. It's kind of that same energy. I absolutely you're definitely getting Uncle Ruckus energy um, off of this. And I'm sure Uncle Ruckus is a reference to a lot of these old, you know, um, archetypes or stereotypes we would find with the, you know, the self-loathing blacks or like the black police officer things. He was he was intense. It, It was a bit much, but it was direct. And again, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm shocked that they would have put this in the movie. But notice that the white police officer was very reasonable and understanding. Yeah. So they kind of had to still balance it a little bit. And looking at the timing, and I'm going to look this up real quick because I, I think I'm quite sure when this happened. Uh, Rodney King was around this time, no? When this movie would have come out. I believe so. March 3rd, 1991. Yeah. So this was have, right, that, yeah, this is right <laughs> after um, that. There may have been a note like, can we, <laughs> it can only be the black we, guy. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta make something. I don't, but oof. No, because yeah. the releases are so close, but I'm just thinking about like the ways, if they even considered how they marketed it or what happened. When, like, I feel like that was probably a very interesting few months of post-production where they're like, what do we do? with you know what do we do 
I'm glad that we got it the way that we did, but that would have been a very interesting time. So, uh, so J- uh, Jesse Lawrence Ferguson, who you you probably don't remember the officer's name. It's, it has nothing to do with the officer. Okay. His name is Officer Coffee. Oh, from San Andreas? <laughs> sure. So, Officer Coffee, Black yeah. Thousand Midnights. Yeah. Uh, him and John Singleton passed away three days apart in real life. No way. Yeah. He, uh, Ferguson passed away April 26, 2019, and uh, John Singleton April 29, 2019. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. So this adds another layer to one of those instances where Ice Cube encountered, um, I, uh, well, John Singleton encountered Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. He was an intern. This is where another, hey man, John Singleton, baby. He was an intern at the Arsenio Hall show in 1989. In 89? So two <laughs> years before this, <laughs> yes. after he had already started his master plan. Okay. At like 21. <laughs> Do the right thing. Uh, friggin', uh, all, the soundtrack is just blasting. You hear Public Enemy everywhere. So, okay, so yeah. Apparently, Singleton claims that Cuba and Jerry Morris Chestnut were cast in their roles mm-hmm. because they're because they were the first ones that showed up to casting auditions. <laughs> Punctuality. It, it matters. <laughs> it really does. I'll I'll I will die on that hill. Now, this, you, you may have noticed this because when I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Ice Cube's protege and fellow rapper Yo-Yo had a small part at the party. Scene. That was Yo-Yo. Okay, I took a photo of it. I literally took a picture of it on my phone. And I was like, is that Yo-Yo? That would make <laughs> sense. But I need to confirm this. Okay, thank you. So um, many real Crenshaw Mafia blood members were angered by the movie's portrayal of their set. Members stated that uh, they got fronted off as cowards instead of authentic gangsters. I mean, you're always going to be the hero of your own story, right? Yeah, absolutely. What what can you do? So this was the first um, movie that paired Ice Cube and Loris Fishburne together. They had two other ones. And they are Larry Fishburne. Yeah. What are the other another two? one is a, another one is a John Singleton movie. And the last one came out within the last seven years. So we went through the <laughs> Ice Cube had an Af- had an Afro or temp at the time of this movie that came out in 1995. Oh, my gosh. We were just talking about it. We had higher learning. OK, I don't remember that one that well. It was a college one. And I feel like it was a Mackay Pfeiffer. Or Omar Epps, one of the two. Okay, where there were so many Omar Epps, Mackay Pfeiffer, like kind of comedic romance films going. And then we also have love and bat. Like everything just gets blurred up in that in that whole time period for me, from like ninety five to two thousand and two. And the second one is Ride Along from two thousand fourteen. Ah, yeah, yeah, Ride Along. So. In the scene where Furious and Young Trey, so we're back in 1984, mm-hmm. are, are sitting on the rocks um, having that father-son chat, and we all... They were bonding, bonding, man. I've never had that chat, by the way. You yeah. know, I, I never said that, you know, I put my thing in a, and then nine months later, baby's here. Or whatever. <laughs> or whatever that version is. I called someone an African booty scratcher before, though. I, is that where this came from? 
I believe that was the first thing I was like, why was I getting called an African booty scratcher for all uh, of elementary uh, school? And it really brought up a lot. Of, and I'm like, did I, I definitely call people African booty scratchers. Why did, why was I saying that? Wow. So John Singleton, if you wrote this, well, he's gone now, RIP, but like, that's a deep cut. That's a deep one. When they're having the father-son chat, Furious mentions fighting as a young soldier in Vietnam. Yes. I, I said it like a white dude, because uh, I thought Vietnam. it was funny. Um, Fishburne appeared in Apocalypse Now in 1979 as a young soldier in Vietnam. They were going meta with that. Yeah. I like this. Everything I learn about Singleton and his writing, because that kind of stuff is fascinating to me. And I know to you as well, being a yeah. film lover and, and researcher, you're burying those little nuggets for people to, to consider. It's like, I don't, we don't have to get into film theory and like, you know, shared all this, you know, all this stuff, but it's, I like that. The, now this is just a car thing. And I, I wonder if the numbers change for this mm -hmm. particular vehicle. So the, I'm going to call it the blood mobile. It was a 1989 uh, Hyundai uh, XL. Yeah. I wonder if that was like, I guess it was just a popular car at the time. Very identifiable. You know, I mean, you I see, see that memes every, you know, every day. I feel like I see that meme. You see that thing roll up and that back window comes down because he's always in the back of the always car with the blicking the back, Just, just hanging out, glizzy ready, just blicks to the left and right of him. Perfect <laughs> aim. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You want to know how great his aim was? Uh, the actor, uh, he's just listed as Knucklehead Number Two or Ferris's Trigger Man. Uh, <laughs> Knucklehead Number Two. So that boy was a dead shot. I mean, in real life, um, in, in 2001, after wrapping up a, a film called Shot, Avery was arrested and charged with a double homicide and sentenced to life in prison. That actor was actually a dude that killed someone and he was murdered in prison. So I'm over here making jokes. You mean to tell me the dude who shot Ricky and Boys in the Hood <laughs> yes. went on to be in a film, finish a film called Shot, S-H-O-T, yes. and then upon finishing that film, was arrested for a double homicide and then was murdered in prison. Yes, in 2005. So that's the Boys in the Hood sequel. That's the script. That's the story, right? You follow, you follow <laughs> it. And then, then you solve the gang problems because then you do the other side. When the boy got out of the hood. If there's a producer out there listening, you come find us because we're going to write this. This is the first um, combo of, of three of Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett together. I know you know combo. one of them. I know you they, know one of the other ones. They are such a great combo together. That call, that like cafe scene. Yes. Oof. She's like, before I make a fool out of both of us. Why have I heard that too? And she was like, finish your cafe ole. It's on me. I was like, oh, it's on me. Was that like, was a power. No. Yeah, that was powerful. That was that was black mom energy. I definitely, I definitely saw that as a so, child growing up. The other two movies that they were in together was yeah. What's Love Got to Do With It in, two, in 1993. Of course. And lastly, we had Aquila the Bee. Oh, they both were in Aquila and the Bee? Yeah, they both were in the cover. Oh. Uh, Wait, who was there another black male lead in Aquila and the Bee? I, I know that that was Kiki Palmer's like debut. Yeah, that was like her big thing. Yeah. Huh. I, I I'll have to other... look at it because I think of someone else when I associate that, but I, they both, yeah, they both were in that. Aquila and the B, not Aquila and the B. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was shortened it. The first of multiple appearances with Ice Cube and Nia Long together. He called it early, by the way. Man, how's that your girl when that's my woman? 
Friday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he he exactly. probably cast her. He's like, yo, look, I'm doing this movie, right? It seems like with the castings and what, at least what you've shared in the last few moments, I'm like, everybody, this is like a, what is it? This Six is like our of version of the 60. Yeah, it's like our Kevin Bacon moment. The, every, the, everybody's linked to John Singleton <laughs> or Ice Cube in some way or another. Because or Larry, it's Larry Fishburne. It's Lawrence Fishburne is the connection. Well, this is how it works then because of his hotep scene, uh, Kevin, no bacon degree separation. <laughs> um, the other movies that they did together were Are We There Yet? and Are We Done Yet? Oh, uh, the sequel. The squeakquel, yeah. as I like to call it. And then this is the first appearance, uh, first of two appearances with Cuba Gooden Jr. and Regina King together. Um, another big movie five years later, Jerry Maguire. Oh, man. See, that's the main feel like movie that I wife. associate. Yeah, that's the one that I associate with Cuba the most. Yes. Um, oh, crazy. you have to ask yeah, her for Tom that, right? Cruise. I think he did. Yeah, because he's fucking spinning and breakdancing on us. Like, I think that movie changed Cuba's life, and it could be argued whether it was for the for the better or for the worse. But right. that one set him on on his path. Now, this is one I think you're going to sink your teeth into because of that attention to detail. Yeah. In the childhood part, which is set in 1984, mm-hmm. uh, they mentioned Terminator. In the adult part, they mentioned Terminator 2 in 1991. So the gears sank up. Oh, no, I missed that. Uh, yeah. And I lo- I'm, a, I'm a Terminator junkie, man. I can't believe I missed that. I'll have to, I'll have to look at it again because that's, I think I was so like absorbed in the standby me king references i was just i was in that world um so th- this is great right here um this is a big shout out to aaron brown uh this was released on the same weekend as point break <laughs> okay wow <laughs> two very different talk about <laughs> black america white america or whatever you want to call it. right black yeah black black cinema normal cinema yeah that's that's interesting i think i had both on vhs though i don't think i ever watched I don't think I've ever seen Point Break from start to finish, like fully aware, but I've definitely watched this one on loop. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cuba and Jr. and Lawrence Fishburne were in Tuskegee Airmen together four years later, mm-hmm. which was, I think, a HBO movie. So see, uh, apparently Tyrese is in this movie briefly. Where? Where's Tyrese? Is he one of those little he's one of the, He's one of the standby. So Tyrese would have been 13 when this movie came out. Uh and this, I think there's a there's a scene where Ricky confronts Ferris at the car dealership. So okay. before the actual happens, yeah. apparently one of the kids in the background is Tyrese. Oh, and that group of people. Yeah, there was a bunch of extras right there. He's like, yeah, I, I kind of get this you, movie. Tyrese, his secret origin story is very similar <laughs> to Singleton's where he was like, oh, like, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep on it because then he ends up in Baby Boy and in Too Fast, Too Furious. Like, Wow. The connections are nuts. <laughs> so, so the um, so when Doughboy gets arrested and there's a kid that says, "Hey man, yo, what happened?" That that's the one that ended up shooting Ricky. So that's the trigger. That's the trigger man. No way. Apparently, that's that's what's in here in the notes. Yeah. Little son of a bitch. I thought it was Ferris because that kid was darker. Yeah, I kept thinking it was I, I kept thinking it was going to be him, like just with the, you know, the conflict and everything. But mm-hmm. oh, this is this bastard. is great. This is a little foreshadowing right here. When Monster, which is a great ancillary, like hench black name. Yeah, because he has the hat and everything. Yeah. When he's playing Duck Hunt, he says, watch me shoot this motherfucker. Foreshadowing the ending when he shoots and injures Ferris and his friends. 
he was ready. He was ready to go. I mean, what was that like? Twenty minutes prior to my man was in the banana clip. He was ready. He to was go. ready. Yeah, he was prepped. The monster was, and that was one of those things where I was like, John, we we get it, but it was kind of like, nope. I'm gonna put it right there on the beanie. I'm surprised I don't see people walking around with monster beanies on. Yeah. Maybe I'm just missing it. I feel like this is a thing, and I definitely resonated with me being an older brother. Uh, the just like Doughboy didn't really fuck with Ricky, but it's like I'm the only one that can fuck with him. He's my yeah. brother from the beginning with the whole football thing. Yeah. He's like, yo, I need my brother's football back. I know I'm getting my ass beat. Honestly, Doughboy is the best character in this film. Yes. To me, I, I it's incredible. The cat, like, he gets the character growth, the development. Uh, Ricky is kind of just Ricky throughout. Trey just does Trey the little Trey awkward thing and then mimic, starts to mimic some of his dad's behaviors. Like, we're following that. But it's really Doughboy in which you're seeing, like, everything unfold. So yeah. that's all I have for the 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 um, notes or what have you. We can talk about scenes. We can talk about observations. And then we can wrap it. Uh, yeah, man. So observations. Um, and feel free to interject as you will. Okay. Uh, I think fatherhood's a major theme in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's pretty blatant there, and I think any like it's kind of one of those rites of passage movies. I think, and I think it was an attempt to really try to maybe it's not valid, but try to kind of add a different layer to this argument of black dads all around. It's like, well, I'm doing this movie, and the fact yeah. that this was his debut movie, and he had his fingerprints all through John Singleton. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, this is a message that I want in this, right? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I mean, even with as we've been talk, talking about some of this stuff being right on the nose, it was like at this time I could see with him making this film, like all, we have all these examples and things after the fact, but like it really was incredible for the time in which it was made and expanded on so many different topics. So I think I, I agree with the fatherhood aspect and it's it's fatherhood and also the absence of fatherhood that you get through the other characters and like they even you know they they talk about that but yeah i i'd agree with that uh let's see um the, the kid actors aren't good I, i'm sorry i don't like kid actors they're not good no, i don't good. think they were good who was who had the crazy um wig the like jerry curl wig <laughs> little chris's little chris <laughs> they did little chris dirty I got enough football. I don't really use it much. His fucking Jerry yeah. girl is dripping yeah. everywhere. They, they did him a little dirty, but. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Many movies, uh, at least in, in my in my opinion, many movies kind of owe the, the good ones. Many of the black movies, quote unquote, mm-hmm. are, I feel like they're influenced by this one. Like, and not even in the, the parody kind of way, because that's just very direct and very obvious of a parody. Right. And I think, it's a testament when you do a parody that you're doing something really good and really groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. But then in it, you have a lot of clones and a lot of copies because as we know, it's show business. Right. And, you know, as we saw in the DNA of this movie being greenlit, how can we do another, uh, do the right thing? Mm-hmm. So someone probably, you know, one of these producers are like, how can we like do another? Pro- the profitability index of the, yeah, it's like, let's figure it out. Let's game it. Uh, let's see. So <laughs> this is I'm really happy about this one. Okay. When Furious, after he finishes fixing Trey's hair, he aggressively grabs his waist on fan, like his belt, and pulls him yeah. towards him. I was like, hold up. I was like, I've never had that in any barbershop. I don't, you know, any haircut situation. 
his what because no, i think he I asked that him. but even thinking about it i'm like why would he do because when he, he's cutting his hair and he's like yo pops you getting old and shit and then they both stand up he's like look at me and he's trying to size me he has pussy and then he grabs him by his fucking belt like his waistband towards I, it it's really larry hilarious. was probably going off script he was probably he was probably up to something he was on some shit you know how he gets uh let's see um I had the question here. What happened in those seven years? Like for, you know, Ferris to kind of be one of the neighborhood kids. And I, and I think the answer is right. the answer that people drift apart. But, you know, they fuck with him earlier, right? When I think Trey is leaving the party and they roll up and he you first see the fucking, you know, shotgun. Yeah. It's like, yo, I thought y'all were friends. Like what has happened in the seven years? Like it just, it just switched up. I don't know. Family went somewhere. I mean, I guess that's something you can, you can just assume, but yeah, I was I was just interested about that as well. Like it just just came out of nowhere. And it, I, I think, and that, that might be the thing that's also there as we see that that shift that people can act funny. It's like, oh, well, you just like your dad, you know, he's ostracized right. and we don't really fuck with him because he has knowledge yourself or whatever. And yeah, um, you're being just like he's him. He's, he's uppity. You like, yeah. Uh, let's see. Would you go to Furious Styles Financial for financial advice? <laughs> I would go to Furious Styles to have a conversation with him when I need to be uplifted and inspired, but I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I would. Is that a problem with me? And like, not is am I not supporting the black community? I don't know. Furious. I don't. I didn't trust your haircut. Oh, I don't trust the fact that you were eight years old when you had your. Stop. <laughs> I don't trust. I don't trust a lot of things that happen with Furious. So maybe not. I don't trust I your like aim. Him as a person. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. At the beginning, I was like, "What? What happened there?" But I mean, I did. And they over there playing with the shoe. I did trust them. Like, yeah, motherfucker's been an hour. Did I ask you that? I was like, this motherfucker yeah. right here. The energy just was crazy in that scene <laughs> coming off. It's like, yo. Uh, so this is the last question I have before I get before we get to the favorite scenes. And if you had anything, feel free to throw them in. Um, okay. Who do you think benefited most from this movie? In a sense, who won this movie? I think Cuba Gunn Jr. Okay. I think now in terms of what, like career wise? Um. I, I guess career wise, I guess like when someone is doing that obit reel and you got that one scene. Oh, you know, oh, 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 hell no, not Cuba. Excuse me on that. Then I'm just thinking about like career, like what happened very soon after. Um, damn it. Ice Cube's kind of fallen out of favor, too. But I mean, he had. I, he, so if his magnum opus, Ice Cube's, and that's the direction I'm going yeah. at, this magnum opus is Friday, right? Yeah, that came out before Jerry Maguire, which is peak Cuba. They came out a year before Jerry Maguire. That's true. I would have to say, and he was my favorite character, the best writing, the most growth. I would say it was Ice Cube. It was Doughboy. Um, and yeah, it's Doughboy. I was going to say maybe like, but Nia Long didn't really do anything. She was kind of like, you could tell this was earlier mm -hmm. for her, but I just think that if it's going to come back, like, for Ice Cube, this would be the one that this is the dramatic role. Like this reminds me that he's a much more complex individual than I like even give him credit for. And I give him a lot of credit for a lot of things. And uh, well, I, I don't want to have the same answer as you, but I think that's a very valid one. I'm going to make the case um, because it's not purely um, actor who's on screen, even though this person is on mm -hmm. screen. I'm going to go John Singleton. I, I think. Ooh, that's a power play. I mean, that contribution is huge. He, he won everything. Yeah. He won everything. I'm, you know, I'm over here 
writing these, you know, I'm writing papers and stuff on his work yeah. and then relating it back to the work of, of others and Gordon Parks and Gordon Parks Jr. And then you got Melvin Van Peebles and you got Rudy Ray Moore, like all of these people, Oscar Michelle, like you can kind of follow black cinema back to its roots. But there's a there's a space where after, you know, Lee and all these things like Singleton has his place and then it leads to the next generation yeah. of black directors and creators. So I'd agree with that without a doubt, like overall. So as we as we wrap up in here, I uh, are there some scenes in this movie that come to mind that you're like, OK, this is just ah, just chef kiss. Like it could be cringy. It could be ridiculous. It could just be good Ooh. filmmaking. But just what comes to mind when you think of like scenes from this movie? I have a few, but, you know, what do you have in mind? One of the scenes that I loved and it was it was the it was the party scene, but it was when Regina King and then I don't even remember what they were really talking about. I think they were just talking about Trey and like him not hooking up with with Neil Longs or Brandy. Mm. Mm. Who is That's Trey, Ricky's best friend. He used to be best friends with Dobo when they was little. You know how they be trying to act like they brothers and shit. Girl, he is fun. I like to rush that. And it was just all the reactions that I was getting off of them. And that's where I paused and was like, is that Yo-Yo? <laughs> is that a 90s R&B female rapper? Right? You know, um, so that one really stuck with me. I love the party. Ricky's acting kind of goofy on that grill. I'm not going to lie. But overall, I like the party because that's where you get Doughboy. You get adult version Doughboy. I felt like I was in like a Dragon Ball Z saga where like we did a time jump and I was like, oh, shit, this is like teen teen right this is like adult doughboy here let's see what changed um so i really like the party you already kind of touched on this scene but the when um when furious is talking to the black police officer well, somebody broke into the house i fired at him with my piece and he ran away <laughs> so you didn't get him well if i got him he'd be laid out here in front of you right is there anything missing no good no need to make out a report. You know, it's too bad you didn't get him. Be one less nigga out here in the streets we have to worry about. And he's like, is there, you know, what's the problem here? And I don't remember exactly what he says, but he was like, oh, it's the fact that you don't even know what it is or something. Speaking about that hate, um, that one was like, damn. It, just the way that that Larry delivered that line was kind of just, it was, that was clean. It was smooth, um, you know? So those were two that really stuck out for me. It gets kind of crazy. Ricky, what the, f why were you scratching Lotto? Why were you scratching scratch-offs when you were supposed to be running away? Let's go. All right, wait a minute, man. Let's split up. No, man, I don't think we should do that. I mean, if we got to throw some heads, I think it'd be better for together. Oh, man, them fools ain't gonna want to do nothing, man. They're just showing out and shit. Yeah, that's not, I, I think, I think Ricky has CTE. I mean, <laughs> I just, not to make light of yeah. that, but yeah. you know, it's one of those things. I was like, yo, you're, you had second thoughts. He, he's conflicted about what his future looks like and all of that right. stuff. And obviously he's preoccupied, but he's preoccupied a lot. Man, I got to drain the weasel. I was like, I'm pissing on myself. I don't care. Right. Like, I'm like, you just were running on the top. Like when they started running and, you know, knowing what's going to happen in the movie, I'm like, God damn, I would have been jumping on roofs. I would have been like good Spider-Man. I would have been ducking and weaving and doing all this shit. My man drained the weasel and then finished a scratch off. And then got shot by 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 
uh, a freaking international criminal. Yeah, I mean, he a, a real life criminal who is now no longer with us. his 40 time. <laughs> right. I was like, bro, you're supposed I'm watching your your um, highlight reel set to the R&B, like the hip hop soundtrack in the living room. What is going on here? I didn't like I, that scene to me is it's a lot. It's, it's traumatizing. It's uh, it's 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 worthy of ridicule in some ways um because i was like i've never seen this much blood like how much blood do you have like jesus and they had a whole (laughs) a whole gallon or whatever that fake blood is and they just let that here's the corn syrup and red dying and engaged right they're like we gotta what happened to radio raheem okay we gotta up this we gotta we gotta do this crazy and i mean and cuba's acting is so bad in that scene too because he's just like, yeah, Cuba hold his head. just wasn't just hold his head. Don't hurt his head. I was like, this dude is dead. Yeah, it's it's weird. Kind of the way like Cuba was he was in a different film. I'm just yeah. going to I'm just going to say Cuba was in a different film. And if it's fun, like just to not even to dig into this too much. But, you know, it makes me think of The Wire and the fact that like Idris Elba, the story that he tells of like hiding his yeah. his UK accent and everything when he auditioned for that and, and everything and like. It just makes me think of like before scenes in this film, maybe John Singleton will be talking to the actors and talking to the locals and everything is setting things up. And then I imagine Cuba was in his trailer, like practicing Shakespeare or something. Right. And no disrespect to that, but it's just like, he just like walked and he was like, me, 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 like, you know, practicing his scales yeah. and stuff. And he's like, <clears throat> like, okay, like, <laughs> what do I need to do this scene? Like, it just felt a little bit different, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's see. I have I have two things uh, I wanted to get in yeah. there. I have the, the the shootout that initial kind of shootout. It's that's like yo, this is the Wild West, and it's like, do we have a problem? Yeah. And it just escalated from a goofy bump that was stupid right. and ill timed to just oh well, I need to aggravate something. I need to cause some bullshit because you know macho male energy. It's like an outside club. Oh, we got a problem here. <laughs> We got a problem here? We got a problem, nigga? Oh, what up with this? Run away, nigga. Can we have one night where there ain't no fight, nobody gets shot? Yep, just to maintain that whatever it is. And then it's like, run, motherfuckers. It's like, Jesus. Um, And lastly, I have in here Trace Punches. Just another... Ex- <laughs> Fuck this shit! Stupid motherfuckers! Trey's punches, but I, I kind of broke that in with the act. I've been yeah. I've been that mad before. I'm not going to stunt. I'm not going to play off on it. I've been that mad before, but yeah, I've never punched the air at all, ever. Hard stop. Yeah, I just didn't get it because it was one of those things where when he started, I've also been that mad, and you're kind of just like I don't even know what you know my emotions. And honestly, it made me think not even to get too crazy deep, but when everything was happening last year with George Floyd, like I remember being very upset mm-hmm. and just being like i can't process the in like how injustice is right yeah. um but it's too long and it just becomes comical and he's just like i don't even want to mimic it because i don't want to see myself do it on <laughs> in the record like it just was uncomfortable and it was another one of those things where it was like cuba this is a lot and i felt uncomfortable for me <laughs> along i felt uncomfortable for everyone who was like filming that scene being like, this is it. Like, this is it. This is the whoever line. got the dailies, right? Because I mean, here's the thing. Right. There might be. It might be worth rewatching only for this 
because of the thing that uh, 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 John Singleton said about his shooting gets better as the movie progresses. Yeah, I want to see if Cuba Gooding's acting gets worse as the movie progresses because it's shot in order. You know, as we talked about earlier, oh. <laughs> so you start looking at us like, oh shit, he just gets bad when he's on screen more. Yeah, he does. He does kind of like take over. I don't know. There a lot of stuff with his character. He's not really doing too much. It's kind of all the people around him. Yeah. But I guess that's kind of the story, right? Yeah. So that's all I got, man. I I, th- I think we I think we I think we stuck a fork in this one. We we got it. I mean, it's not a it's not a film that I you know actively discuss with people that often because it's such like people know it, but it's one of those films that like you really had to see it at a certain time in your life and like what were things like then and like yeah, it was kind of a a, a blast from the past, literally seeing all those actors and stuff and seeing seeing them at and like the adults right literally right. being around in our age group and like hold up and the fact that it's like oh yeah they old it's like no they're not you're, you're saying no that. i know oh you don't even remind me because i'm like yeah they're all way younger than i am Shit, i am washed damn i need to go like do my i need to go like do my laundry or something or like be, i need to go grow up because <laughs> but... she said i'm working on my masters i was like oh shit it's like yeah i don't have a master's I <laughs> yeah i felt that i'm like i'll finish it maybe it's like i'm yeah, working it. on a podcast shit. <laughs> so we, we did that yeah man uh this is this has been great man so thank you thank you so much my son doesn't take no fault and answer now i pay taxes that they never give me back what about diapers bottles and silver like do i have to sell me a whole lot of crack but these things shoved up and clothes on my back or should i just